Welcome to Calvary Chapel Irmo's weekly verse-by-verse teaching. Join us now as Pastor David Ford leads us through Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 13, teaching believers that we are no longer under the law, but now live under grace. Question for you this morning. When you ask people, what do you base your relationship on, what's the answer? What do people base their relationship with God? What is it based on? What is the foundation? Many people will, like us Christians, will say, well, our relationship is based on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith alone. But you go ask some other people, you know, depending on, on how much they know about the word, well, you got to obey the Ten Commandments. you got to obey the Ten Commandments. Some people say that. Some people will say, well, you got to trust in Jesus, and you got to obey the Ten Commandments. Then you ask somebody else, they'll, they'll mix it all around. Some people will say, well, you got to follow church tradition. We have to, you know, baptize you, synchronize you all into the church. The problem with that is, is what we're looking at this morning. We're looking at legalism. That name alone, that, that word alone brings a negative connotation. Legalism. Legalism will dry up your Christian faith quicker than anything. It will dry up your Christian walk quicker than anything. You know, we, I said a while ago, your relationship with God, according to the Holy Bible, the New Testament, is based on grace. Grace and grace alone. Okay? It's not grace and law. It's not grace, law, and tradition. It's not law and tradition. It's based on God's grace, okay? But so many times in our Christian walk and going to church over the years, we get into a routine, we start sliding into legalism. And legalism is where, is, is, legalism is where you follow rules, regulations. You're, you're bound to those and not to Jesus. Legalism is when you follow the law. And what it does, what legalism does, is because you're like me. You're fallen in this world. What it ends up doing to you, it leaves you in bondage because you feel guilty about the things that you've done and you feel like there is no grace because you feel like your relationship is based on the law. And that's why the law can bring bondage when you fall into this thing called legalism. Christianity is about being filled with the Holy Spirit It's about a relationship based on grace. And it's about breaking free from the old life, breaking free from all all the sin and the crud and the darkness of this world through God's grace and through his Holy Spirit. That is Christianity. That is Christianity. But this morning, we're looking at the dangers of legalism. The gospel focuses where? On the heart. Jesus wants to do heart surgery. He wants to do heart surgery in your heart. Legalism, it focuses on the external, and it leaves out grace, and it leaves out Holy Spirit. It says, conform to these rules, conform to these laws by your own power. And what does it do? What I believe it does, when you get into a legalistic church or you get into a legalistic lifestyle, it turns you into a hypocrite because we're in a fight. 
We're in a fight. It turns, you, it turns you into a hypocrite. Jesus condemned legalism in Matthew chapter 23. He called the uh, Pharisees. This is what he said to the Pharisees. This is the religious leaders of the first century. And you can look it up in Matthew 23. I believe it's also in Luke 11. But Matthew 23, Jesus calls them the blind guides. He said, he told the Pharisees, he said, you're whitewashed tombs. They focused on the outer, but there was no inner heart change. There was nothing taking place on the inside. Luke eleven thirty nine 39 says, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside you are full of robbery and wickedness. What was their focus? Their focus was on the outside. Their focus was on the outside. And if we're not careful as Christians, we, we over time can slip into it, not realizing it, and start focused on the outside rather than the inside. When you focus on the inside, when you focus on grace, when you focus on the Holy Spirit, he comes in and transforms the outside. So it's like you don't do it, the Holy Spirit does. Amen? Amen. Um, God does require obedience. God, the New Testament, a servant of God, a, a bondservant, as we looked at last year, a bondservant, a slave of righteousness, he does require obedience, but it, can, it comes from a changed heart. It comes from a changed heart, and it comes from a heart that says, Jesus, I love you so much. You are so great, and you're so magnificent that I want to please you. That is the heart of what changes the outside, is you love Jesus so much that you want to please him, and the Holy Spirit at work in your life starts pruning and cutting off things. That is how we break free. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, some of the greatest uh, passages on the Christian life. It's amazing. We've been looking at the past couple weeks. But this morning, I've, I've formatted my sermon around three questions based on this passage. The first question is, what is legalism? What is it? Let's get, let's get a good working definition. Number two, how do we avoid the pitfall of legalism? And number three, first off, let me say this. God's law, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, is glorious. It's magnificent, and I'm going to close my sermon with telling you why it's glorious and magnificent. But the third question is, if, we, if we're no longer under law, as Romans chapter 6, verse 14 states, what's the purpose of the law? What is the purpose of God's moral law today? I ask you now, what's the purpose of the Ten Commandments? What is the purpose of it today? What is the purpose of God's moral law today? We're going to look at that too. It's very important, very profound. And it's really good. So question number one I want to I bring to you this morning is, what is legalism? What is legalism? Legalism is an act of putting the law above the gospel as a requirement for salvation beyond repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, beyond being born again. Uh, legalism, many people will say it's, it's a relationship. I base my relationship on the Ten Commandments. If you base your relationship with God based on the Ten Commandments, you're legalist. You're, you're legalistic. If you focus on the outer, if all your focus is on outer, then you're, you, that's a sign of being legalistic. Uh, legalism ignores grace. Legalism ignores the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. And we're going to see in my message this morning, legalism 
imposes ceremonial and civil laws from the Old Testament that are no longer in effect. It takes all those things. For example, what happens, the, the, the civil law in the Old Testament, if a, if a son or daughter curses at a parent, what happens? They're put to death. Thank you, Lord, that the civil law is not in effect. The ceremonial laws, the Levitical laws, if it was still in effect, I would have, we would have to pay Lake Murray Gymnastics a whole lot more money because we'd have to spread out plastic and I'd have to drag a bull in here. We'd have to sacrifice a bull. But the ceremonial law, it expired, came to an end with Jesus' death on the cross. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Signs that you might be legalistic is you judge people based on appearance. You look at a person on the outside, you judge them, that's a sign that you're legalistic. Here's a big one, a sign that you're legalistic. You believe all Christians should live like you. And, and then what you do is you kind of tilt your head back a little bit. And like I'm looking at Brandon right now, and I look at him down the, the line of my nose. You look at people down the line of your nose, you might be legalistic. But that's not what we're called to be. And I'm hoping for you body of believers this morning that you leave here knowing what your relationship is and, and you understand the dangers of legalism. Legalism, it elevates the law over the gospel. And let's just go ahead and put this out here because this is very important. Legalism is false teaching. It's false teaching. The Apostle Paul spent his whole entire time on his missionary journeys fighting the legalistic. In, in Philippians, he calls them dogs. He, would, he was going throughout his missionary journeys. He was establishing the church on grace. The Judaizers would come along and say, okay, you got grace, let's give you law. And he says, he calls them, you dogs, because they were corrupting the gospel of grace. Legalism is false teaching. So that's our working definition of legalism. Place the law above the gospel, the outer, outside, over the inner change. How do we avoid the pitfall of legalism? How do you avoid it? Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. You there say amen. 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 Okay. How do, we, how do we avoid the pitfall of legalism? Here we go, guys. Or do you not know, brethren? For I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. I'm going to break down the law and a few more passages down. But just want to tell you right here, as we're, as we're going into this passage, the law that the Apostle Paul is referring to in the context of Romans chapter 7, he's talking about the moral law, okay? He's talking about the moral law. The moral law is the Ten Commandments, okay? So how does the law have jurisdiction? It says the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. How does the law have jurisdiction over a person? The law is a judge. It's a mayor. It's an overseer. The law, God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, it is proclaiming to all people throughout the world, guilty. You're guilty of breaking the Ten Commandments. You lied, you stole, and you blasphemed, you used God's name in vain, you dishonored your parents. If you look at the Ten Commandments, that's what their job is. They are the judge, the mayor, the overseer of people who have not been saved before they come to Christ and is saying, you're guilty, you're guilty. It's saying you're guilty. And, you're, and they're bound to that judge. We're going to see that. Before a person comes to Christ because they're not in a right relationship, they are bound to the spiritual law of God's moral law, the Ten Commandments. 
And what we got to find out is how do we get from up under that moral law and break away from legalism and walk in grace? Let's look at it. Verse 2. He's going to give us an illustration, really good one. But it's not, this passage is not on marriage, okay? Let me say that right now. This passage is not on marriage. He's, he's giving us an illustration so we can understand it. Verse 2. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law. So that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. This passage here is not a passage on marriage. What it's saying here is that the only thing that can terminate the relationship between a husband and a wife is what? Death. Now, the sinner, before a person comes to Christ, they are bound to God's law. They are bound to God's law because they're not in a right relationship. They're, in a, they're not in a right relationship with God, so they're bound to the law. God's law is proclaiming to, to them that you're a sinner and you need Jesus. There's only one thing that can break that, that bond. There's only, there's only one thing that can break that bond between a sinner and God's law, and that is death. Death. But the question then becomes, as you read this passage, it can, it can be a difficult illustration if you're trying to figure out who's the man and who's the woman. But the next verse is going to help clarify it for us. The question is, who dies? Who dies? Who has to die? Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Therefore, my brethren, here it is, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for legalism. So how do you avoid the pitfall of legalism? It says right there in, in, in verse 4, you die to the law. Your, in other words, your relationship ends with the law when you go through the body of Christ, you die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined to Jesus. We die to the law when we enter into this new relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The sinner, the law has no longer custody over a believer in Jesus. The law says you're guilty. The law says go to Jesus. But once you go to Jesus, you are no longer under the, the condemnation of the law, you're under grace. He transfers you. You're under new management. And I love this word here. I love the, I love the, the illustration. It says you're, you're bound to him. It's about the, the, the relationship between husband and wife, they're bound. In the same way, you should bind yourself. You should bound yourself to who? Jesus. It's like a marriage relationship. It's like, Lord Jesus, I love you. I trust you. Jesus, you are everything. You are my Lord. You are my master. You are my God. I am your servant. You give him everything. Not a, dear Jesus, come into my heart and I'll see you next Sunday type deal. 
but where you say, my life is your life. I am, I am bound to you, Lord Jesus. You are my master, I am your servant. And I bind myself to you through faith, through what you did at Calvary. I die at the cross. The, the old David, the old you passed away, was crucified, and the new you was raised to new life. To you being, I like the word bound, to you being bound to his death, to you being bound to his resurrection from the dead, to you being bound to the burial. The old you passed away. We have to be bound to the Lord Jesus Christ to avoid the pitfall of legalism. I, I like the way we say it. We, we tell people, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what you need in life more than anything. When we say that, when we say, Greg, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're saying you need to be bound to Jesus and trusting in him. And when you do that, you're no longer under law, but you're under grace. You're under grace. And then it says there in, at the end of verse 4, it says uh, we're to bear fruit. We bear fruit, not from the law, but by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. In this new management of grace, his work in us produces, it produces, it bears fruit. Let's look at verse 5. For while we were in the flesh, he, he's going to do a comparison before and after the fruit. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit to death. But now we have been released from the law. Do you see it? You were under the law. You were bearing fruit under the law, which that fruit was sin and unrighteousness and disobedience and rebellion. But then you come into this new relationship and you start bearing different fruit. I believe I was at bear fruit for death, verse 6. But now, in this new relationship with God, but now we have been released from the law. Let me repeat that. But now we have been released from the law. Do I need to repeat it one more time? But now we have been released from the law. Having died by that which we were bound. See it? Before Christ you were bound to the law. You were bound. But you have been released from the law. Having died to that which we were bound so that we serve in the newness of spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. When a person comes to Christ and they come to Calvary and they see Jesus high and lifted up on that cross and that that death forgives me of my sin. And then they look at the resurrection, the tomb is empty. That new life is in us. We come under new management. And talking about fruit, it says, so that we serve in the newness Remember I talked about new management, new life? At the end of verse 6, we serve in the newness of the Holy Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. The law no longer has that jurisdiction over you. It's no longer condemning you and saying, you've lied, you've stolen, you've blasphemed, you've dishonored God, you've not always kept me first. The fifth commandment, you shall not honor your mother and father. It's no longer accusing you because you've, have Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. The old you, it produced fruit unto death, as the passage says, talking about sin. 
And what the law does, listen to what the law does. The moral law, Ten Commandments, it antagonizes that. It, it antagonizes the person who hasn't been born again. It's like, ugh, I know I'm guilty. It's like, ugh, I don't want to, it just, it irritates him. It antagonizes him. It antagonizes their spirit. It stirs their heart. It helps them understand, I need to be forgiven. And that's what the law does. That's what the law does. It antagonizes the person. It, it brings the sin to life more so that, as we're going to see in a little bit, the purpose of the law is to point you to Jesus. It says, yeah, you've broken the law, now go find Jesus. That's the purpose of the law. You, you've broken it, now go see Jesus. But then when we come to Jesus, we serve in the newness of the Spirit. And, that, and, then, and then it says, um, it says, we serve in the newness of the Spirit, and the fruit of this new life is righteousness. Is righteousness and obedience. Obedience. Because the Holy Spirit is at work in our life, and he's transforming us, and he's changing us into his glory. That is how we avoid the pitfall of legalism. So, official answer, what did Pastor David say uh, last Sunday morning? How do you avoid the pitfall of legalism? You I like the marriage analogy. You, you bound yourself to Jesus. Personal relationship with Jesus. You bound yourself to him. It's by grace alone. It's being born again. It's saying, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I put my trust in you, and the Holy Spirit comes inside you're no longer under law. You're under grace. And it's, it's a union. This relationship is a union. It's a bond that I love Jesus more than I love anything. I love Jesus more than I love my wife, more than I love my family, more than I love y'all, more than I love anything. He is number one in my life. I'm bound to him. And I'm no longer under the law of condemnation. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, third question. If we are no longer under the law, as Romans 6, 14 states, what is the purpose of the law? What is the purpose of the law? Let's look at verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Okay, I need to stop here for a minute and, and give you a definition of law by the Old Testament. The law in the Old Testament can be broken down into three different categories, okay? Old Testament law, Three categories. The first one is the ceremonial law. That's the Levitical law. The ceremonial law is, is it was the law given to Israel to teach them how to worship, to teach them how to do sacrifices, to teach the priests how to do this and how to do things in the tabernacle, in the temple. It was meant to guide the nation of Israel in worship. The ceremonial law, it expired when? When Jesus died on the cross, the, the Levitical law, the ceremonial law, it expired when Jesus died on the cross. The second law, the second category is the civil law. The civil law was the law meant to govern the relationships of the Israelites, to govern the relationships between neighbors, to settle disputes, what to do uh, with children. Did you know that according to the civil law, if a person cusses at their parents, they're to be put to death. The civil law was serious. 
These Israelites had come out of Egypt. They were wandering. They were, they were wandering. They were wandering through the desert, and God gave them ceremonial laws for worship and gave them civil laws to govern the affairs of the people. But the civil law, it ended with the demise of the Jewish nation of Israel, the civil law. But then there's the, the third law. The third law is called the moral law. The moral law is, is based on God's character. The moral law is based on God's character. It's the Ten Commandments. Now, I said those first two have ended. The ceremonial law, you will not find it in the New Testament nowhere. It ended with the Old Testament. It ended with the death of Jesus. There's no trace of it nowhere in the New Testament. The civil law, you won't find it in the New Testament. But the moral law, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, it is littered from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians. It, the, the moral law is all throughout the New Testament. So that makes us have to ask the question, what is its purpose? What is the purpose of the moral law? It's there. The moral law, the Ten Commandments, is in the New Testament. It's in the Gospels. It's in the Epistles. It's in the letters. It's there. So what does the New Testament Christian do with the moral law? What is the purpose of God's moral law? Let's look at, let's, let's finish up verse 7. And, and I'm going to answer that question as we look at this passage right here. The purpose of God's moral law. Verse 7, uh, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? He says, may it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said you shall not covet. But sin, taking the opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking the opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, it killed me. Okay, I'm going to lay this out because this is so important, and you need to understand this. The purpose of God's moral law. Does it bring righteousness? No. Our nation was founded on the Ten Commandments, and I think the Ten Commandments are, are a great foundation for a nation. You know, but many people will say, what's the purpose of the Ten Commandments? They'll say, well, they, they give society moral boundaries. I agree with that. I agree that the Ten Commandments give us moral boundaries, and they tell people what's right and wrong. But the big question is, what does the New Testament say? What does the New Testament say about what is the purpose of God's moral law? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. I want you to see this yourself. The purpose of God's moral law is to show people they need Jesus. It's to, is, is to, um, to people to see their need for a Savior. Now, you and I, we love the moral law of God. We love God's law. We treasure it. We're going to see here later on in this passage that it's very good and we love it. But what does the Bible say about it? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8-10 through 10 gives us the purpose, as many other passages do. You there? Okay. 1 Timothy 1, 8-10. through 10. 
But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law, here it is, guys. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the who? The lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for the sinners, for the unholy and profane, for the murderers of fathers and the murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. For if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, there it is. God's moral law is proclaiming to the world who's not Christian, you need a savior. You are a sinner. You have broken the Ten Commandments and you need forgiveness. The purpose of God's law is exactly that. And Galatians 3.24 says that the law is a schoolmaster, means it's a, a tutor that brings us to Jesus. So what God's moral law, what the Ten Commandments do is they say, you've broken me, now go to Jesus. The law, God's moral law, it crushes us and it grinds us. It takes away our self-righteousness. It takes everything away from us that we could claim as our righteousness before God. And it says that we're guilty. And what it does is it grinds us down it humbles us, shows us our need, and then points us to Jesus. The law humbles us and points us to Jesus. The purpose of God's moral law is to point the world to the sacrifice of Jesus. That is the purpose of God's moral law. That's the primary purpose. I love it. I wish we had the Ten Commandments in our courtrooms. I wish we had the Ten Commandments in our schools. I think things would be a whole lot better and it would serve a great purpose there. But the ultimate purpose of the moral law is, is to point people to Jesus, to show them why Jesus died on the cross. You know, okay, I, I've broken, oh, okay, uh, the, the fifth commandment says, honor your mother and father. I've broken that one. Oh, I'm guilty. And it says, go see Jesus. The ninth commandment, you shall not lie. Oh, guilty. Go to Jesus. Go run to the Savior. Do you see why the, the, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, is so important today? The Ten Commandments is so important today. And that's why our country is declining as it is. You know, removing the, the Ten Commandments from the courtroom and from the school. is There's a moral issue there, you know, with all the violence in the schools. And there's a corruption. Can I get an amen? In, in the government with the removal of the Ten Commandments. And those are things that need to be addressed. But ultimately, removing the Ten Commandments takes away that which points people to Jesus. Because if they don't consider themselves a sinner, then all is good and I don't need Jesus. When if they look at the Ten Commandments, they'll say, oh, I'm guilty. I need Christ. So, this morning, what do you take away from this? The purpose of God's moral law today is... It shows us our need for Jesus. It shows us that we're guilty before a just and holy God. And it points us to the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. Amen? Amen. Let's finish this up. Romans chapter 7, verse 12. So then, the law is holy. The commandment 
is holy and righteous and good. We love God's law. We cherish God's law. You know, I don't know about y'all, but I'm sure everybody, somebody within your family's got a Ten Commandments on their wall. We love the Ten Commandments. We, we, we cherish it. We, we, we don't throw out the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments has a purpose today, and that's to point people to Jesus. And for that alone, we cherish it, and we, and we love it. And, and, we, and we obey the Lord out of a heart that's been changed by the Spirit. And it's under new management, under the new management of grace. Verse 13, Therefore, did that which is good become the cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. You're believers. You're under grace. You're not under law. But if you were under law, if you weren't in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, take a long, deep, hard look at God's moral law, the Ten Commandments, and ask yourself, have I kept them? Have I ever lied, Ninth Commandment? Have I ever stolen, which I believe is the sixth, uh, Eighth Commandment? You ever, you ever killed someone, the Sixth Commandment? Well, I never killed someone. Jesus said in the Gospels, he says, he who hates his brother without cause is what? Guilty of murder. If you're honest, I'm going to tell you right now, I've looked at all ten of them, and I'm guilty of all ten. Seventh commandment says you shall not commit adultery. I hadn't broken that one until I read in the Gospels where Jesus says, whoever looks with lustful thoughts commits adultery in their heart. Guilty. I'm guilty. If you weren't in Jesus, if you were not a Christian, Take a long, hard look at God's moral law and let it crush you, let it grind you, let it humble you. And when it does, when you get to that place, turn to Jesus and see him high and lifted up on the cross. It will make the gospel glorious. It will make the gospel magnificent. Because you're like, yeah, I've broken it. But I serve a mighty God and a mighty Savior who paid the price for me at Calvary. And the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We serve him. We obey him. Not legalistically, though, but from a heart of faith, from a heart filled with the Holy Spirit. To, to avoid legalism, I suggest to you this morning is bound yourself to Jesus. Bound yourself in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the law will have no authority over you. Your obedience will come from a heart of love and faith. To avoid legalism, bound yourself to grace. Bound yourself to grace. And don't ever think we can use grace as a license to sin, okay? Some people will start thinking about this. Well, we're under grace. Well, we, no, we don't continue in sin. We don't continue in a lifestyle of sin. Why? Because Jesus breaks the chains. 
His grace sets us free. This is it, guys, right here. For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. That's the theme of the New Testament. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, is your under grace. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for these truths as, as we've mined them and we've treasured them from your word. Now, Lord, help each and every believer here to apply these, Lord. Help us avoid the pitfall of legalism. Help our hearts to run from legalism, but to stay in grace. Lord, we, just, we thank you so much for grace. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, that that is what our relationship is today, because we're no longer under law, but we're under grace. Father, thank you for this time now, in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. We pray this message has been a blessing to you and that you will be able to make application to your life with it. If you'd like to join us, our services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. We are located at Lake Murray Gymnastics, 110 Hunter Village Drive, Irmo, South Carolina, 29063.